Good morning, meth heads. How are you doing over in the UK there and across the world, across the globe? Hope you're doing well. Today's voice is not again. I'll be, but listen, I've been, I have been reading up on some research studies and stuff whilst away, and I've got some really cool ones to share soon, but I've got something cooler to share today. And if you don't think it's cool, then I don't know what to say. I didn't think it was cool until I got into philosophy, space, time, physics, all this stuff. Now, I think language is unbelievably cool. Like... Think about language, the words we use, the way we speak to ourselves is so important. But we never question why it has come to be, why the words we use, what the explanations we have, the terms we use, where they come from, why do we use them? Are they the truth? Do they convey what we're actually thinking, you know, or actually feeling? Or actually is what we say causing the feeling as opposed to we're feeling something, then it causes us to explain it. Maybe it works both ways, but maybe, maybe the words we use create or supercharge certain feelings and they take them in the wrong direction, wrong way. Who knows? But this book and languages I'm reading, but I'll recommend it by Lally, that's amazing. I'm going to share a few things from it, it's blown my mind from it. So the first thing about language is uh, all the European languages, Indo-European languages, come from a common ancestor. So unbelievably Welsh and English are related back in the day. I can't believe it. I feel sick. But it makes sense. So when you go back, there's a common ancestor. And um, over the years, in simplified terms, over the years, languages have got less and less developed. They've become easier, uh, just maybe lazier, uh, less explanations, less complexion to them. So, for example, in word English, we've got flowers and flower. But in Latin, there's like eight ways to say flower, um, depending on loads of different stuff. And then you go back again to Sanskrit, it's even more, it's even more complex. So Sanskrit, the ancient Sanskrit, Sanskrit, you could say in a sense that the further you back you go, the closer you get to true explanations of what we're trying to say. Because back in the day when they were language building, and that's the focus, and that's prehistory, we don't know. We've only started seeing language on the decline, unbelievably. Like we've, the language came into being, took ages, it came into being, written form, the survivals of it, and then we've only ever seen this decline in the sense that it became less and less complicated. Um, you know, from the Sanskrit to Latin to French and all this stuff, it gets less and less complicated. Um, we cut the words down, and then they lose their true meaning, and then they start building up again over time. So languages are contracting and then expanding. But really, we're in, we haven't really seen the, the, the extra, the... Um, the contraction part on a mass scale yet. We've seen just we've seen the decline of language in a sense, as all people are saying. And this has happened since the age of Cicero. Even Cicero and stuff back in the day, ancient Greece, they were saying that language is where was better back in the day. And every generation says the same, or well, language is better back end, language is better back end. And it's because it's been better way back, back to a common ancestor. We don't know what it was, but we can we can take a guess in terms of like how complicated it was. Anyway. The book explains, like, how did we come up with language? Such the system. How is this system developed? It's so complex. Was it one creator of system or did it just develop? And what they realise is languages are built, right, on metaphors. So trying to explain, an so you're trying to explain an idea using things we all know, right? This makes complete sense. Think about it. So if back in a day... They had a feeling or an idea or a thought, right? And they wanted to explain it. 
the only way to explain was through the physical world. We had words for physical things. So the only way to explain abstract mental things was through the physical world. Now, this is, this is one problem in itself because the physical world will never be a good explanation of what we're going through mentally, right? So there's already a layer away from the truth there. Remember, the description is not to describe, but that, anyway, back in the day, it must have been a more complicated explanation, description of what was happening. These, these metaphors were clean, they were new, they were big, they were punchy, and over the years, they become dead metaphors. They use so much that they become dead, that we don't even notice them in everyday talk anymore. Um, a met, that's a metaphor in itself, you know, a word is dead. Something is dead. It's like physically, it's just not moving. It's gone, <laughs> right? So let me just say there's an example in the in the book about metaphors. Let me see if you can spot the metaphors in this. Um, okay, so the cabinet meeting, groundbreaking plans were put forward by the minister for tough new legislation to curb the power of the unions. Right there, this full of metaphors. The cabinet meeting, groundbreaking plans. Plans aren't groundbreaking. You're not having a shovel pregnant into the ground. Plans were put forward. No plans are actually put forward. We're just visualising putting forward as a suggestion. So that's another metaphor. But the Minister for tough new legislation. Legislation is not tough. That's a material thing, like meat and materials and, and, and you know, fabrics, right? To curb the power of the unions. Not curbing the power of the unions. Um, curbing is a metaphor, and we're not actually putting, you know, the metal in the horse's mouth, wherever it was. So in that sentence, you might have read that and gone, yeah, I don't know where the metaphors are. Because we use them so much that we are unaware that we are speaking in consistent, constant metaphors. Dead metaphors. And some people come up with new metaphors and they can make you think, right? You go, oh yeah, I get it now. But we're always thinking in metaphors. Language is built on metaphor. Um, let's, let's, let's go through a few more words on that. Discover initially meant remove the cover from. So the physical removing the cover, so discover. Um, assessment comes ultimately from Latin asidre, to sit by. Board originally meant plank and is not as skeletal as the other metaphors here since it can be used in the concrete sense today. Decide comes ultimately from Latin decader, to cut off. That's mad, so decide, think about it. How can you, how can you get over the concept of to decide, pick something? Go with an idea. Then you would say, well, you cut off. Cut off one. Okay, so we cut off one to decide, to go with another, right? And then that's the word decide. And we think, oh, okay, decide. It's not, it's not really... <clears throat> that didn't come from a metaphor, but it did. <laughs> it did. Um, so the truth of the matter is, and this is from the book, that we simply have no choice but to use concrete to abstract metaphors. And when one stops to think about this, this is not even so surprising, since after all, it's not from the physical world. Where else could the terms of abstract concepts come from? One thing is certain, nothing can come from nothing. The mind cannot man just manufacture words from ab for abstract concepts out of thin air. It could do it, um, all it can do is adapt from what's already available. And what's at hand are simple physical concepts, objects one can point at, like head or tree, and physical actions like cut or run. Right, another part, this is where we can tie in maybe with thoughts. So your thoughts, the mind is, is, is a mechanical thing. The thoughts process is very mechanical. It works off memory. It works off the metaphors. It works off the physical world, right? So that's all it can do is work off that. And then we take this seriously 
And then we think that this the mind is the thoughts we have are so accurate or descriptive, but they can't be. They can't be. Over the years, getting worse, we are literally gone from the original people describing abstract things in their head with the physical world of metaphor and maybe being a completely complex metaphor, dead metaphor we don't even we're not even aware of anymore. That might have been way closer to the truth of the original meaning of a feeling than we have today, because we are literally going off other people's descriptions of thousands of years. And it's description, description, description has been cut, 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 blunt, blunt, blunt. Now we have language, now we take labels. We don't even think about things. We don't even realise we're, we're talking in metaphors. We don't even know the words we're using are really describing a feeling. We have a, we have a feeling of anxiety, we have a feeling of nervousness, we have a feeling of sadness or whatever. And because we are so used to just labelling things blanketly today, we throw a label at it and that label has all the connotations of society on it that we haven't looked into ourselves. We've just taken it ahead on. And that face value taken of a word that we then start to describe ourselves as becomes the way we feel. Does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. But the main thing about this book that blew my mind was that they've come up to the realisation that psychological time has been manufactured from the physical world. So we would say, I'm going to the shop, right? So I'm going to the shop means there needs to be space. I need to move through space to get to the shop, which takes physical time, right? So I'm going to the shop. We then started using these these actual physical words, I'm going to the shop. We started using it mentally, like, I'm going to think, right? And it's not, I'm going to think. You're not moving to think, right? You think. There's no movement in that. But the movement we have now confused with time, psychologically, right? So we started using the physical descriptions, the physical world, which makes sense, because it makes sense that we would do that. We brought it inwardly. Now, we think psychological time is a movement like physical time or physical movement, space and time. They're very interlinked now. And this is the source of potentially all of our problems because we now have past, present and future. Physically, makes sense. We must, I will go from here to the shop. It will need physical time. Therefore, there is a kind of starting point. There is a middle and then there's the future. The future is I will be at the shop and the, the, the past is, you know, behind me as I walk. We've now brought that in mentally to physical time. And then we think of physical, uh, psychological time. And then it causes the problem of the future. We are always now thinking the, the past, future and, and the present. But we're not really thinking of present anymore. We're always thinking of past and future. Because we're so used to physically thinking that way. Or trying to explain something that way. And if you think about it, anxiety, sorrow, pain the desire for pleasure, all this stuff comes from always thinking of the past or the future. I'm not thinking of the now. Maybe back in a day before we actually did do this, before we pulled in what the physical world was into the mental, maybe there was only thinking in the now. Maybe there was only the thought, there was only living in the now and using words to actually, using words of physical stuff as opposed to thinking of it like mentally. We've brought that inwardly. And it makes sense if you think about it. Like they used to think the, the earth was the centre of the universe. And if we thought the earth was the centre of the universe and as a centre, then we think we have a centre. And then if we have a centre, 
then you know we work through that center and we we we're always trying to we're always trying to work out ourselves psychologically through the physical world so then we must have created a center in ourselves which is the self right so there's now the self the individual in me and maybe the start of our individuality is the problem because then we're all now thinking of ourselves versus the collective humanity like if an ant started thinking of itself then ants wouldn't be ants would they <laughs> like because the ants need the ants to be a colony the colony of ants is because all the ants work in tandem together and maybe humans in a sense we kind of do work together a human can't be a human without humans in a, in a way because we're very social people but we now become very individual and we've pulled that in from the physical world we everything we do is pulled from the physical world inwardly isn't it now we've got this we've got this strong belief that there is a self inside us the center the ego and that's potentially where all our psychological problems begin what do you think about that because now we think of the self we think of the self only the self must improve over time the self must become something becoming so like whilst it might take physical time to 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 turn a piece of metal into a sword right physically will we see that over time it's improved we now think, well, the self, the me, will improve. I need to become something, and it's going to take time. It's going to take psychological time. It's going to take physical time. And we, we, have this, we, we now have this in our mind that to be better, we need to take time to improve ourselves. And in that improvement, there's a chase for something all the time. All the time, there's chasing. Desire is a, is a way of doing this. We're chasing something all the time. I need to be better, I need more money, I need this job, I need this and that. And that's just being pulled from the physical world. Because as an individual, or as a human being, you don't need to become anything to be a human, basically. You need to become someone to be something or to be worthy of anything. We can simply live in now, and that's enough. But we think we have to become all the time. And it causes, this then creates the past, the present, the future, and it creates our longing for a future version of ourselves, which we must take time to reach. But can we be and realize the, the falseness of all that in its becoming over time? Because it's never going to stop, because you're always going to keep wanting to be more, more, more desire. Can we realize that we can be in the present and it's enough for us to be in the present? We don't need to become anything. It's a false, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a fake thing. We forever chase. And in that chasing, it causes our anguish, doesn't it? it? causes our sorrow, in a sense. And I think that's quite true. I think it is true. We're always trying to be someone else. Always trying to be something. Be who you are now, right now. I think that's the main thing. Can you, in this present moment, stop trying to change yourself to be something. You are a human being. Being a social creature, being, bringing joy into your day, doing things you love doing without the feeling of you have to change, you have to be this, you have to do that, you have to lose 35 pounds, you have to lose 100 pounds. You have to be super strong, you have to build loads of muscle. What's going to build? We can work on, the building can happen on, over time, but if we focus on that as the main thing, that's the problem. I don't even know if this is making sense, but this book has really affirmed that for me because it's, 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 it's described where this all comes from. It describes language, which come from metaphors, come from the physical world and ourselves. So today, when you, when you observe the words you use in yourself, the self-talk and your talk, the communication you use, really start questioning 
the meaning of the words. Where does it come from? Why does that mean? Like, start, like, really looking at the language you use and be very kind of, like, be very curious behind it, you know? And I think that start the curiosity we speak to ourselves might be the starting point here. And as a, I saw a post on Instagram, one of the turtles, you know, like, God, I've, I speak so negative to myself all the time. I think it was Jackie put a story up, someone messaged her, say, yeah, I'm negative self-talk to myself all the time. Negative self-talk comes from memory, experience, all this stuff, and everything's negative, so then we just, we live off negativity, and it props into our minds because our memories are just full of, like, always what we did wrong and all this stuff, right, in the past. But we should be, we should die of that. Like, if you did something wrong, who cares, whatever, move on. Um, and really understanding the language you use. Look into it. Is the words you're using to describe the feeling, the true feeling? Or are you going off a label someone's given you? Uh, and have a look into that today. But that's it in this book, guys. I don't know if it, if any of you enjoyed this uh, podcast or not. I think um, I think it's fascinating about language. I, I'll, what's the name of the book? It's called The Unfolding of Language, The Evolution of Mankind's Greatest Invention. Um, and yeah, it's mad. Um, and to finish off, there was uh, um, how you know look at words like how did the word p- um, pisk pisk turn into fish, right? That's the word for pisk and uh, old Germanic pisk into fish. And basically, the word p it's easier to say p by saying f. So f is a halfway saying p. Was it? F. Yeah, some along those lines. Or like for example, another one is h uh, k. K with a tongue hitting the roof. K to ha. So ha is like a half of a K. So the tongue goes halfway up. Try it. K, ha, right? No, K, ha, ha. So basically, you went from K to CH to ha. So K is turned into H's. And if you think about it, V, uh, v to uh, TH changes to F. So when we say, some people do this now. So we think, how does language change? Well, a lot of people say think now instead of think. So think is an easier way of saying th. It's like halfway. So instead of saying th, you say f, right? It's easier. So we're basically becoming lazier with pronunciation. So we, instead of saying think, we start saying think. And over time, think, th, will change to f. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. So enjoy, uh, guys. Have a think about that, yeah? Have a think about it and let me know what you feel afterwards. And I'll speak to you tomorrow.